world. It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richman. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you Monday through Friday, each and every weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. And today's episode is a very special one. Friend of the program, returning guest, Raphael Barlow of Locked On NBA Big Board. He writes for the, the Locked On Big Board, new, or excuse me, the NBA Big Board newsletter, an indispensable draft uh, piece of draft information coming to your inbox regularly. And as we get into draft season, there's no better time to subscribe to the NBA Big Board newsletter. Raph, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How, how are you doing? Good. I know you're busy this time of year. You went to All-Star. You're churning out a mock draft. You got other stuff coming. Um, so I I sincerely appreciate you making time for uh, to talk a little bit of Blazers stuff. Um, you were on previously, and we kind of talked the top of your board, right? Uh, we, we talked Alex Saar and Reese Ache and Demetrius Bozelis. Um, those guys still remain kind of at the top of your top of your ranking. We even talked a little bit of Nikola Topic. Uh, I want to jump down a little bit because I think the Blazers are probably Portland is likely to have two first round picks and there's a chance yeah. they have two lottery picks right now. They're, they're slated to have five and 13. Um, but the bad news is that the, the Warriors have won eight out of 10. <laughs> they, they just, they look a lot more competent. So the, the Warriors yeah. are, I think fairly likely to make the playoffs. Maybe, I mean, it's going to be tough. Bottom of the West has a bunch of good teams in it, but um you know, I, I think they're trending. They look stinky for a while. They look less stinky now. So let's assume that the Blazers are going to have two first round picks, potentially two two lottery picks. Let's let's stay in that five range to begin with, though. Currently on your mock draft, NBA Big Board, you got an interesting, a very interesting name there at number five to the Blazers. My man Cody Williams from Colorado, uh, six eight wing. What do you like about him? I like the versatility. Obviously, the the positional size is very alluring for a guy that's six eight that can handle the ball. He's long, not like a elite athlete, but he's a good athlete. He can get to his spots, and he is, is someone that came into the season with like really big question marks about his outside shooting. Was not a good shooter on the high school level. I think he was like two of eight from three at the under-19s this summer, but he's shot the ball very well. Three for Colorado, not a high volume of attempts. If, if there was a knock on him is that he's not always the most assertive. He scores his points in the flow of the game. He's extremely efficient, but part of the efficiency is because he's not taking enough shots, in, in my opinion. I think there are people that will feel like, well, I'd rather him shooting 48% and being aggressive than 57%, and he's only taking seven or eight shots per game. But he's really, really talented. He's the brother of Jalen Williams for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think it's unfair to compare the two, but I'm actually going to make the comparison because a lot Do of people it. are just like, he's not as good as Jalen, yada, yada, yada. But I always say... A lot of people didn't even know Jalen when he was a freshman. Right. And I, if I remember correctly, there was a press conference where they were asking Sam Presti about him. And Sam Presti said he didn't know who he was until he, you know, brought him in for interviews. So I think Cody is a better prospect at the same stages in, in their career, but it's to be determined if he's going to be a better player. 
Yeah, J Dub's really good. Like he he's he might be he's I mean he's one of the best players in his draft class. I think he has a um, you know, and saying anyone's gonna make an all-star team is probably silly because there's just not enough all-star spots, but he's he is that yeah. talented for sure. He is that talented. Yeah. So if, if Cody is up there, that's interesting. I think okay, so I, I'm not as deep into this as you. I've watched one Cody Williams game. My big takeaway from watching him play in the in the one game that I watched was that he takes a lot of hard shots. Seems like he takes a lot of difficult shots going to the rim and kind of fading. Should I be concerned about his strength on drives or is that something you think will come or, or, or is that something you even share? Yeah. I mean, it's concerning, but I think he's what 18, 19 year old. Yeah. So it's, it is a little bit alarming because there are plays where he drives to the rim and it's like, he shoots a, a flailing shot at the rim instead of going up strong and like for me, like when I watch him, I, I put in my notes like, oh, man, this will go up strong. And then maybe like the next game, you see him make an athletic play where he tries to dunk on somebody. Right. So it's like it's it's there. He doesn't always shy away from contact. But I, I do think in the early stages of his NBA career, it is going to be, you know, something that he's going to struggle with. But maybe he can just bulk up and put on weight like his brother did. Like, right. I mean, Jalen looks like he's put on. 20 pounds of muscle since he entered the NBA. So, you know, their, their bloodlines are similar. So I, I do think his shying away from contact has a lot to do with his frame right now. Uh, the, the other knock on him seems to be the lack of pull-up shooting. Does that concern you at all? No, it doesn't. Simply because for someone like him that is so good at getting to the rim and that was able to get to the rim whenever he wanted on the high school level, it's like if he were shooting pull-up jumpers in high school, he was bailing the defense out because right. he could score at will at the rim. And so I think it's something that he can add and he will add. It's just he's so young in his career that he probably never had to to do it. Just It's the same with the shooting. He really didn't need to shoot jumpers in the high school level and he wasn't a good shooter coming into the season, but he's proven that he's worked on his shooting. He's efficient. I think it's like 40 something percent from three in the high forties. And so I think uh, adding, according, according to you earlier this week, 47% on his, of his three yep. point attempts. There you go. That's, that's what I thought. I didn't know if they played last night and then, you know, that kind of changes things. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wrote about one guy and who was like raving about how well he's shooting the ball from the floor and then he had like a three for nine night. And then those stats did not look good anymore. They went from right. like promising to these stats are pretty average. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, but no, he, he's shooting the ball well from three, which is a, a surprise to me. What's his ceiling in terms of, of like, in, in terms of the draft? Like what, how, how high can he rise? In the draft, I think he had a, a strong chance to be the first college player selected. I think he's the favorite right now. So you put him in the top five range. I mean, I I, I think Saar, Risa Shea, Topic, I think those three could be number, you know, the top three. I mean, Rob Dillingham is making a strong case, but he's more so of an acquired taste in a sense. I think there's some people that really, really like him. And then there may be some people that just think that he's too small and, and are worried yeah, about his defense. People like me call him Shabazz Napier. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens with him on draft night. But I think Cody has a, a really good chance to crack the top five. Why is he not above Matches Bazellus? I know you're you're probably higher on, on Bazellus than others. Why is, why is, in your eyes, Williams behind Bazellus? 
But Zealous is bigger. Um, I think they both have a tendency to leave you wanting more from them. I, I think that it's weird. It's like they swapped. Like, Bozellus was like a 40% shooter in high school, and now he's in the 20s. Right, and can't shoot, yeah. Cody didn't shoot well in high school, and now he's shooting like a blistering 47%. I do think some of Bozellus' struggles from the three-point line is because he did skip a step from going from the high school line to the NBA three-point line. And he was already thin, and I think the physicality of the G League is impacting his shooting a little bit also. And then he had like an ankle injury. I don't know how much that had an impact, but maybe his rhythm was off. But I'm just going my gut feeling. I, I think maybe Cody is safer, but I think Bazellus, if he puts it together, you're talking about a 6'10", three-level scorer, good athlete that um, could be like a matchup problem. Yeah, like they, they they both have some similarities as far as Cody's a little bit more aggressive, but they both have some similarities where you're like, this guy could score twenty if he wanted to. He just doesn't have the same mindset. Yeah, listen, we're gonna have to retire that the dog in him expression for for all draft <laughs> talk. So I'm glad you I'm glad you steered away from it there. Um, can Williams play? How many, like, is he just a two, three in the NBA? Can he play up to, could he play? If he gets big enough, does he have the frame to play four? I think that he could be a weapon that could play one through four. So I, I do think he is someone that can initiate the offense. We don't really get a chance to see it at Colorado because he's playing with KJ Simpson, who's right. having a phenomenal year himself. But I think the ability, he shows flashes of it and glimpses of being able to maze. But I do think that he is a guy that if you have like a like a, a Dame Lillard type who you want to move off the ball some, you can play him in that in that position. Almost like Batum. You know, right. There were times where the Blazers would have, what is it, like Batum and Wes Matthews and Dame on the floor at the same time. But Batum would kind of initiate the offense. So I think he can play a similar role. I like it. Listen, uh, a wing that could initiate would be a real game changer for this, for, for the Blazers. And obviously like, I don't think you're projecting Cody Williams, like year one to be this like high level initiator in the NBA, but, it, but, but, uh, more players who can pass and make plays has, uh, has real interest for me. And I think Williams playmaking, at least from, from what I've read from you. And, um, it seems to be something that could be, have some have some real value is is that that his playmaking ability has has, has some real appeal. Okay, I want to ask you about the Yukon guys. There's two dudes at Yukon who I think could be right in the Blazers range. It could be helpful. Let's talk about them in the second segment. Today's show is brought to you by Stitch Fix. You know that instant confidence boost you get from an outfit that makes you look really good? That's what you're going to get with Stitch Fix. You could easily upgrade your wardrobe this year with a professional stylist that helps you find new on-trend favorites that will work for you. Here's how it works. You get matched with the stylist. You tell them your size, your style, your budget preferences, and then you just order boxes whenever you want them. No subscription required. And they're going to send you five just-for-you pieces that are plus some outfit recommendations and pro styling advice. And then you keep what works and send back the rest. Your stylist is going to find those just-for-you pieces. They're going to kind of learn your preferences, learn what you like to wear, and maybe help you discover some new styles that you didn't know you liked to wear along the way. And they're going to make it super, super simple. You don't got to shop. They're going to save you time. They're going to save you effort. Plus, you're going to get outfits that make you look and feel good. And if you don't love something, it's super simple. Just send it back because shipping returns and exchanges are always free. Style that makes you feel as good as you look. 
Get started today at stitchfix.com slash locked on. That's stitchfix.com slash locked on. Stitchfix.com slash locked on. All right. Still chatting here with Raphael Barlow, host of Locked on NBA Big Board and the owner of NBA Big Board, publishes the writer of the newsletter. Um, it, it is a great resource. I, I cannot recommend enough subscribing to the newsletter. Get it in your inbox. It's draft season. Learn more about the league. It's I'm a, I am a regular reader and subscriber. Go ahead and do it. Okay. I have it's draft I have, season for Blazers fans. <laughs> I know you don't have a you don't have a time uh, you don't have time off, okay? You're hosting, you know, you make it 200 podcasts a year about the draft, but oh we've gosh, yeah. we've made it here, <laughs> maybe maybe more than 200, probably like 250. Um, but it's yeah. you know we're, we're here in Blazerland, here in lockdown Blazerland, we've transitioned, okay? There's 28 games left in the season. The team's 15 and 39. We talked about it when you were on the program last year that you said, "I hope that I don't. I hope I'm not a regular guest." on the show next season because I hope the Blazers aren't in a position to talk lottery picks. Guess what? You're back. I'm going to demand you come back more later in the year because it's draft season for us. Um, I want to ask you about two guys, uh, the UConn kids, uh, mm-hmm. Stefan Castle and Donovan Klingon. I, I, let's start with Castle. He's intriguing to me. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's this sort of two-way wing that everybody covets. Uh, What have you seen from him? He's six right now on your big board. Um, What do you like about him? Yeah, you you, you described it. A two-way wing, show some playmaking flashes. I do think that he is best with the ball in his hands as the point guard. Yeah. But he doesn't really have the opportunity to showcase that. He's playing winning basketball. He's on a great team that even yeah, though they really just got smacked by Creighton a couple of nights ago. But he's averaging double figures. He rebounds. He's getting assists. And he's – I mean, the numbers aren't going to wow you, but we're talking about a guy that missed like a month of the season with a knee injury and has been able to come in and still contribute on a, a loaded team. So you have to factor that in. He defends. He may be the best wing defender in this class as far as guys that are, especially in the Blazers range. So you like that. I mean, the big concern is just the outside shooting. He's a reluctant shooter. There are times where there, there's a play I posted on my Twitter. Well, it's called X now, but it will always be Twitter to me, where I, I watched a, a play where he had the ball for seven seconds before he decided to shoot. Like his defender was literally in the paint, and he was looking for – you know, DHOs, but just because his man wasn't guarding him at the top of the key, he was pretty much shutting down a lot of the actions. And he was a very reluctant shooter. And so he's definitely going to have to work on that to maximize his potential, which it's like if, if it's tricky with him because if you don't think he's a point guard and then the shooting doesn't manifest, then he could really hurt you off the ball on the offensive end. But if he is a point guard and he does have the ball in his hands, then he's going to need to be able to become a better shooter, especially in today's NBA where shooting is so valuable. And and Blazers fans, and it's not a knock on, Spoot, on Scoot, but Blazers fans can see that the team were guard Scoot early in the year because they didn't respect the shot. It kind of like mucked everything up for everybody else. So he's definitely going to need to improve as a shooter, especially like a pull-up shooter if he's going to play out of ball screens and teams are going to leave him open. But overall, the flashes are, are are really appealing, especially at that size. 
Yeah, that that's what it, you know. I, I've seen UConn play. I think two full games and a parts of another one. Like his his size as a playmaker, and and they run a bunch of pin downs for him, so he'll catch it on the move and like make plays on the move. And it's like, yeah, that looks like something that would translate to the next level. I'm curious. Do you think beyond just unwillingness to shoot? Do you think he has like the mechanics to make jumpers, or or is it or is it a whole workaround? You got to fix the mechanics, and then you'll fix the confidence. No, I think everything is fine. I mean, similar to Cody Williams, I mean, if you, you look at him at his frame and you imagine like, and this sounds crazy, last year he was roaming the halls in a local high school. So, and if you go, to, like I go to high school games, and when you go to high school games, you see like their teams are like 6'4 centers, 6'5 post players, 5'10 guards. And then when you factor that in, you're like, there's no way this dude needed to shoot a single jumper in the high school right, ranks because right. he was bigger, stronger than everybody else. So I think with him, it's just a matter of time and 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 repetition. And I think the jumper is going to, going to be fine. Is he? How close is he to being like a plug and play type wing? Like how how far away is he from from you know he's 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 young. He's gonna be 19 and a half. Same with Cody on draft night. Mm-hmm. Like how how far away for, are they from being NBA contributors? I think it's tricky with Castle because if he's not your point guard and the shooting is still like, you know, below average, then, I mean, I'm in Thompson and the sword Thompson are doing okay, but I think because of their lack of shooting does cause some, some issues with the offense. Yeah. But, they, they've struggled to kind of get playing time because co- their coaches are like, well, they don't shoot. How do we use them a little bit? Um, and I think, and those guys are incredible defenders. So if you can't yeah, find a way yeah. on the, if you can't find a way on the court with that level of defense, the shooting matters for sure. Yeah, which which is is scary because even if the team was good, then you're talking about guys that are help you winning regular season games and then once you get in the playoffs, then you may have to cut their minutes, take them out of the rotation. Now your rotation is screwed. And so it's really tough when you have defenders that that can't space the floor like the days of like Andrea Roberson though I mean those days are are yeah. are, are totally over but I, I think for Castle it's just a matter of team and fit and if I mean the jumper unlocks everything for him that that is going to be the biggest key for his success okay the other guy on on uh Connecticut is 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 big man Donovan Klingon he's yeah. When I've seen him, I've seen him play a handful of times over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. When he's playing his best, I, I really see an obvious NBA player, like an obvious high level kind of just like a rim roller NBA player. There are times when I worry that he's just kind of big and slow and I don't see the lateral movements. What What are your thoughts on him? And, and, and is he, a, you mentioned like a playoff rotation. Is he a center who can play in big moments? Yeah, that, that's the... Uh, I want to say million dollar question, but it's actually worth more than a million dollars. Yeah, it's probably $250 million. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When he's healthy, like last year he was healthy. And last year when I looked at the, his bio, I think he was listed at like 7'2", 265. This year it's like 7'2", 280. And he's not moving like he moved last year. I know he's had a couple injuries, a foot and an ankle injury that have limited him, but he doesn't have the same explosiveness and, and vertical pop. 
And then he just hasn't been able to play a, a lot of minutes because right. last year he was playing as a backup, but man, he was dominant in yeah. in that backup role. And then this year he's had some flashes, but I don't know how many games he's actually played 30 minutes. So it's kind of tricky, but what, what makes him so valuable, I think, and in, in maybe this draft if, if you're a team like Memphis and you have, that's where I have them going. If you're a team like the Grizzlies and you already have your core, you may be able to take a swing on a guy that fits a need because like if you're the Grizzlies Thunder and you expect to be the playoffs next year, you're going to need a big body for right. Nikola Jokic. So I, yeah. I do think teams are going to have to start adding guys to the roster that have at least the bulk to attempt to match up with him on a block, but he's such a mismatch that he'll just say, all right, I'll just take you outside. But I, I think there is a fit for Klingon. It's just a matter of the medicals. If, if there's some concerns about the foot injury, and it's always scary when you got a guy seven foot two, 280 pounds with lower leg injuries, but I, I'm still high on him, but it's not the same appeal that he had last year. What's what do you think his ceiling is draft wise? I know you have it at seven now. You think he'd go higher than that? I think his range is wide. I think it can go from I mean, seven's probably as high as as he'll go. Cause I don't I mean, I think for like I said, Memphis, it may be fit. I even think like the Thunder will, will go for fit just because they have so much redundancy. But he can also go into 20s because like i said if, if there are concerns about his foot and his size and all of that then um it's going to be interesting so i think his medicals are going to determine his draft range more than his actual play yeah I, I have him start as like the as the warriors pick target like I, maybe not in my the top one but like certainly he wouldn't be at five but if the blazers are picking at like either the the back half of the lottery 13 14 or if they're like at depending on where the warriors finish if they're at like 19 and Klingon's on the board I would be interested in it. Obviously, you don't know what the deal is with Rob Williams. You have DeAndre Ayton already there. Like the Blazers don't, they need depth at the big man spots and getting a 20 year old, 7 2 20 year old who could be a real rim. Like what I like him fit wise for the Blazers is the rim rolling, is like, is like truly a vertical lob threat for Scoot Henderson. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is that in theory in practice he's not like that's just not who he is he stops at 10 feet he's like sorry this is where I this is where I, I get off the train and he takes 10 footers and he makes them because he's a good shooter but he just doesn't he doesn't finish those roles hard and I would love to see Scoot yeah. I'd, I'd love to see Scoot play with like young Chris Apps Porzingis right like a 7-3 dude who could pop out and shoot threes and roll to the rim but yeah. I don't know if young Chris Stapps is showing up anytime soon so uh yeah. finding the Finding you know different guys who kind of fit it is a pick and pop big and a, and a true rim roller. I think would be would be appealing to kind of open up the various ways that Scoot could attack a defense. And he may even push Aiton. You know, right now right. Aiton has like in Phoenix the starting job was kind of like given to him because he was a number one pick. And then Portland, you know, it was a key figure in a trade. But maybe if if there's a chance where he's not closing games because there is a guy that can close. Maybe that can kind of light a fire under him because Aiton is he's so talented. He <laughs> he's is, so, man. He's really talented. He, he's really talented. He could be a 20 and 10 guy, but and even when he does put up the numbers, you still like, was he out there? <laughs> yeah, he, he to to me after watching him, you know, every night for for 50 some games or whatever. I know he missed a little bit, so 40 some games. It's like 
I just feel like I so much is left on so much is left on meat on the bone. I'm like, come on, man, come on. Um, And it's not because he's not good. It's because precisely because, like you said, because of the talent, the touch, the shooting touch, the just um, size. (laughs) He's got it all. Yeah. Yeah. He's just it's so, yeah, I I, I would. And the Blazers need front court depth. They still need it. Like even as as fun and exciting as Duop Reith has been um, as like a a, a, you know, a find off the free agent market, like they still need some of that depth. Okay, I I got a couple guys I want to talk about who could be deeper into the lottery. That's what we'll do to close the show. Join us there, won't you? Today's show is also brought to you by eBay Motors. They've teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long, whether you're prepping for your daily fantasy draft or you're scouring that waiver wire for your end-of-season, season-long fantasy team, just like I am. Your players are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who my man Joshy has picked out for us this week in eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. How about Scoot Henderson? He's going to start for the rest of the year as the Blazers starting point guard. And look, there's going to be some inefficiency with Scoot, but unequivocally, he's playing the best basketball of his career over the last 15 games. He's kind of figured it out over the last month and he's putting up 14 and four. He's going to, you know, he's, he's, the assist numbers are going to be there. He's going to average, you know, four and a half to maybe five and a half a game with increased, uh, with increased minutes. He's been really inefficient this season, but the efficiency has been way better. He's, you know, shooting up at 55% of the rim after hovering around 45% for most of the season prior to this last 15 game stretch. He's getting better. He's going to get opportunity. He's a guy who could help you win your fantasy championship. And Josh Lloyd, the host of Locks on Fantasy Basketball, is going to help you win that championship. And eBay and Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts to choose from for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, baby, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Still chatting with Raphael Barlow of Locked on NBA Big Board and the NBA Big Board newsletter. Um, okay, so th- the guy you've got going to the Blazers right now in your mock is, is Tijon Salon. Um, from it, it, a big man from France, I I have you know obviously I haven't I haven't been able to watch his games. He's not an American professional basketball player. I've seen a little bit of YouTube clips. What am I see? What am I? What should I be looking for when I'm watching him play? Just upside. I mean, the guy is really really turning the corner. He's six nine. He's athletics. He's got this toughness to him. I think he can be like your, you know, your pick and pop. I mean, I think he can be like your vertical floor spacer. I think that he is – I just think that he has a lot of talent. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, and it might get aggregated. <laughs> I think Risa Shea will go higher. But I think if they maximize their potential, I think Tijon can be the better player in five years. Wow. And the Blazers, it wouldn't be at, you wouldn't have to go up to five. You'd get him at 13. He's, um, 
so so he's like he's big right six eight six nine maybe even six ten like he's really big as as and he's and he's he'll be less than 19 on draft night he's like an 18 yeah, year old he's one of the youngest players in this class yeah youngest players in his class 610 but he's like a wing he shoots threes when i watch him play he floats around the perimeter and shoots like he could attack off the dribble a little bit but he's so a 610 wing how like where do you see does he have a position in the nba or is he this magic unicorn yeah i think he has a position i would i would imagine he would close games at the four but okay. what I like about him is he's kind of a late bloomer. I mean, Risa Shea's been like the guy in his generation for a long time in France. He's been the one that everybody thought was, you know, the the, the future of that particular generation. T. John has come along a little bit slower. He shows more flashes of being able to create his own shot, which is my biggest knock on Risa Shea. He's, he's just not creating his own shot. But T. John shows a little more flashes of being able to create his own shot. He's still raw. The shot selection can can get a little wild, but I actually like it because it just shows the confidence and in, in his game. And he just has a little toughness to him. I'm, I'm actually good friends with both of his agents. And it's not just like agent talk because, it, like I said, I'm friends with them and they're not just like hyping him up as like an agent. But they say that his work ethic is – it's off the charts. Like you have to keep him out of the gym and he has a, you know, just a different level, level, level of hunger, which I think has played a big role in why he's skyrocketed up draft boards. Like last year he was at basketball without borders, all-star weekend in Salt Lake city. And I was talking to a couple of people that were there in Indianapolis at basketball without borders. And I'm like, yeah, you know, T John was here last year. And they're like, I don't, I don't remember him. I have to go back and look <laughs> on my notes. But that just shows how far he has come within the last, you know, twelve months, and I and I think that he could he could be a big time riser still. I mean, I have him pretty high, but I have. Heard say, you that, have him higher than you have him higher than a lot of the sort of consensus. You yep. think he could get higher than thirteen? I do because I look at like Bilal Kulabali last year. At this time, Bilal was just starting to play minutes on the French on the team with Wimbayama and T John has has been playing for for Cholet all season long he's had really good numbers and if he's already like this high with you know very little buzz coming into the season I think he could still move up a, a couple slots and if he shoots the ball well in workouts and I think teams are going to be wild by his athleticism and his motor I think there is a chance he can go up. I would say uh, Salon sounds like a uh, Joe Cronin draft pick. Joe has is, is on the record as being very clear that he prefers kind of higher upside, raw talents that have like that have that potential. He likes the risk. He likes Shaden Sharps, right? Like he likes a guy yeah. who you haven't seen play, and he's that is that is for sure Joe's preference. Um, and I think he's been very public about that preference. Yeah. I'm not I'm not breaking any news here. Here, so I feel like yeah. Salah is a is a Blazers pick. I feel like he's a Blazers, like he fits the mold of kind of what they'd want to do. And if you have two, if you have two picks in the lottery, taking a swing like like not being safe with one of them is I feel mm -hmm. like it's an almost. It's almost uh, like mandatory because it's already hard enough. So you might as well aim for a really high upside guy if you have two of them because, you know, you, that's how you save the franchise is you get the draft right. You know what's interesting about that? I think it also depends on 
the general manager's job security. Sure. You know, like sure. if you are feeling like the seat is starting to get warm, you may go safer to extend your contract. But if you have, you know, like um, you're in your first year or something, and you have job security, then maybe you can swing for for the fences. So that's why it's, it's going to be interesting to see what what the Blazers do this offseason if they have two picks because. I mean, I've seen some of the chatter online about his job and, of course, about Billups and so on. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's chatter at this point. But if if he does feel like he's got to turn things around soon, how does that impact his, his right. decision in the draft? Yeah, I would say um, take a project and say you need time to like, – trust me, so Law's going to – he's going to pan out. Give me five more years. Extend that yeah. contract. He's going to pan out. It's. I heard Raphael Barlow on, on Locked on, on, Locked on Blazers <laughs> say that he's going to be better than Risa Shea in five years if they both hit their, their ceilings. Um, I, need, I need a percentage of that check yeah. <laughs> from that extension <laughs> if I play the role in that. Yeah, Joe, listen, if they run the numbers up, I'll give you Raph's uh, phone number. Um, <laughs> A couple other guys, real quick. Tyler Smith and Kalel Ware. Um, I saw Tyler Smith play for the G League Ignite. Uh, he made three threes in the game I saw. Is Can he play center in the NBA? He's like a four. Can he play center in the NBA? I think he's going to have to. I, I definitely think he's going, going to have to. I mean, like, I, will he start at the five? No. Right. But if you're a, a coach and you have, like, this point guard that likes to get downhill – it, it makes sense to put Tyler at the five, get that rim protector out the paint and just create wide open lanes. I'm higher on Tyler than, than the consensus. So I could come off a little biased, but I just don't understand how a kid that's 19 years old, he's six eleven, he's shooting 38% from three. He's just not being talked about enough. And he's been doing, he's having like 13 points a game off the bench. And the reason, in my opinion, he's coming off the bench is because Knight had to feature Bazellus and Holland. And now with Holland out for the year, I think Tyler's stock could even could continue to rise because he's going to get more opportunities. And adding Gabe York, who's, you know, he, he likes to score for sure, but I think it's an upgrade at point guard to what they had. And so for, for Tyler to shoot the way he's been shooting without – you know, a great distributor. I mean, I think he's going to look really good in the NBA once you put him with a point guard that knows how to get him open looks. Not the same level as defender as Jabari Smith coming out, but there's some similarities. But everybody loved Jabari coming into the draft. But I think Tyler is a better passer, and I think he has more work in the post than, than Jabari. But unfortunately... Yeah. You know, playing for the Ignite, if you don't have that initial buzz coming into the season, nobody's really watching. And so I think if Tyler played college basketball and was shooting 39% from three at 6'11 as a freshman, and I mean, he's shooting 39% with the NBA line, I think he could probably shoot in the 40s with the high school or, or sorry, the college line. I think he'd be perceived as a potential top five pick. Yeah, I... Top five is high. I I, I like it. Uh, Bo, uh, way higher than so wide open that you know. Well, yeah, I mean, totally. Five guys that are <laughs> top totally. Five. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, I I imagine it'll change a bunch between now and draft. You know, from February to June, where everybody's board ends up. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I really like the idea of putting a shooting big next to, to Scoot Henderson. I really like, like that's the, the appeal of Smith is like a true pick and pop big next to Scoot where it's like, give Scoot as much space in the paint as he can get because my man needs yeah. it. He's not making, he's not making layups. Let's give him as much opportunity to get into a clean paint as possible. Um, Kalel Ware, former Oregon duck. Great. Now, um, a totally reasonable bas- college basketball player at Indiana. Now that he's in a, a different situation, uh, is 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 he a is he you know you have him at fourteen on your big board? Is he a viable lottery pick? I, I think so. I mean, the numbers suggest he is. I know he had a, a a pretty big game yesterday, but he's had like not including yesterday. He's had like five games of twenty and ten. He's shooting a good percentage from the three point line. The concern with him is always going to be his motor and energy and effort. And, and I, I get that. You know, once you get that label on you, it is pretty difficult to to shed it. But even if he's, I don't know. I mean, I think the talent is there. I've heard people actually compare him to DeAndre Ayton as far okay, as. Let's the, get two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard those those comparisons. Um, so it, it'll be interesting, but I think if he puts it together, you're talking about a vertical lob threat. That is also a pick and pop big. And that is a weapon for a guy like Scoot Henderson. All right. We yep. can run the pick and roll. When I got a lob threat and then, you know, I can space the floor. I mean, I just think he's really, really talented. I do think the negative, you know, the negativity kind of surrounding his name after his freshman year at Oregon has kind right. of stuck with him in a sense, but he has been productive. Unfortunately, Indiana is not, not winning. But I thought in some of the games, I forgot which game it was last year. It was a game where he showed, like, what he could be. And I, I thought he was productive in the minutes that he had. He just fell out of, fell out of favor. <laughs> but right. transplant, I think, was, was good for him. Yeah, I think, you know, just just box score watching, I haven't seen him play this year. Uh, he had, again, in a loss to Nebraska last night, 17, 12 boards, three blocks. Like, that's a monster game for yeah. a college kid. Uh, like, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, the just box score watching, he seems like, and, and knowing how big he is, it's like, mm-hmm. well, that might be worth taking a flyer on. Um, Raphael, thanks so much for joining the program. Uh, I'm going to make you come back soon. You know I'm going to harass you. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, let's let's do it again soon. We'll talk more Blazer stuff. Maybe we could focus on some guys deeper in the draft since the Blazers are going to have two high or two like pretty decent second round picks. Uh, uh, and if you're a listener, go subscribe to uh, to Locked on NBA Big Board. Thanks, man. Anytime you want me on, let me know. We can make it happen. You know I will. Thanks again to Raphael for joining the program. Couple little, a little bit of housekeeping stuff before we get out of here. Some Blazers news. Uh, this stuff didn't slip through the cracks. I just forgot to say it. It did. It's not the fault of the news. It's the fault of the podcaster. Uh, I mentioned earlier this week about Duapreet getting his two-way contract converted to a uh, to an NBA deal. Well, great news for Duap, baby. He's got money this year and a fully guaranteed year next year. He signed a three-year deal. It's it's obviously guaranteed through this season. Uh, and it's five times the vet minimum that he was eligible for. He's he's a first-year player, so his vet minimum is literally the smallest it can be because he is because uh, he has technically no experience. They treat you like the one year of experience uh minimum. Five times the five times amount that money. Two million dollars guaranteed for next season. A real commitment for Duopareth. A great story. Who's now going to have a full season in the NBA next year? The following season, twenty five twenty six, is fully non guaranteed with some trigger dates. Uh, so conceivably, 
you know, Duop just played himself into like six million bucks. Awesome story. Really happy for him. By by um getting his contract converted from a two-way deal to a NBA deal meant the Blazers had a two-way spot open. That two-way spot goes to Ashton Hagens, uh, who plays in the Rip City remix or played in the Rip City remix, uh, and now gets a, a two-way deal with the Blazers, uh, point guard who went undrafted out of Kentucky. He's 24. He's, he's a pretty competitive defender, has not been good on offense in a little bit. He's played for the Blazers, but you know, uh, I, they need some, they need some guard depth just for insurance purposes. And, and, uh, and, you know, this is why you have a G League team. Hagens has been a standout for the G League team, and now you add him to uh, get him a, a two-way deal for the Blazers, so he'll uh, be on, you know, around for their end eligible play for the remainder of the season. That is going to do it for today's program. Uh, this evening, you were listening to Friday, February 23rd show. This evening, the Blazers start the final third of their season, final 28-game stretch run of the season against the champs, the Denver Nuggets in Port in Portland at the Moda Center. I'll be at the game, and guess what? Next time you hear my voice, we'll talk all about that one. Tell your friends about the podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.